Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices that we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips for Tax Girl. I'm a practicing tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. If I had to guess, you're listening to this podcast from your home, even if you're working. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to spread across the country, many of us are finding that the new normal means not leaving the house, or at least not for work anyway. Some folks who are staying home do so for safety and convenience, while others are required by their employer or the state or local government to remain at home. With working from home feeling like it should be relatively simple, employers and employees may be staring down tax filing complications. There is currently no national standard for the withholding, filing, and payment of state income taxes for employees who work in more than one state or who work in one state and live in another. That means you may have tax requirements where you typically work as well as where you live. Usually, you can sort that out via withholding tax agreements and credits. But what if you can't? To talk with us about this, I've asked Timothy Spies. Tim is the co-leader of the Eisner Amper Wealth Advisors Group. He chairs the firm's Asia practice and is a member of the firm's community service group. Tim has more than 30 years of experience in providing comprehensive tax planning and related investment, compensation, and financial planning services to senior executives and board members of Fortune 100 publicly held companies, Forbes 400 families, and privately held businesses and owners, including celebrities and owners of professional sports teams. Prior to joining Eisner Amper, Tim was a partner with the Big Four accounting firm and served as partner in charge of their New York Metro and Northeast Area private client advisory practice. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much. So let's talk about the big picture first. So right now, lots of employees are working from home. And it's unclear how long that's going to last and whether this is going to be the new normal or not. So what should employees and employers be thinking about when it comes to taxes as they continue to work from home? One of the considerations will be is for both the employer and the employee, and that is where are services being rendered? Most uh, people that we're working with, they could be relationships, business, professional, and so forth. They've not been in their primary historical place of residence or abode the past, say, nine months. It varies. Some people, if you take Manhattan, for example, left the city early, some Mm -hmm. in February, some in March. And when I said left the city, they, they were residents and they relocated to other locations. Right. Some going to the Hamptons, some going to upstate New York, some going to upstate or Western Pennsylvania, uh, and variations on a theme. And what, what happens in that regard is the tax apportionment factors for 2020 are going to have to be carefully examined because. Uh, Number one, if you move your place of residence, which is actually more difficult than it sounds, number one, you're potentially causing yourself to be subject to taxation in another jurisdiction where you formally did not reside. Let me expand upon this. This past summer, we were working with a number of 
of our relationships who lived in Manhattan. By that, I mean they had an apartment or a home. They were paying a mortgage. They were paying rent. They had all of their near and dear items there that might consist of uh, mementos, furnishings, paintings, their entire wardrobe, exercise equipment, the typical things you would keep in your home. Okay. And what the discussion circled around was, I really think we're going to relocate out of the city. It's a very precarious time. And what happens if I move to Pennsylvania, for example, Eastern or Western, Northwestern Pennsylvania? It's not a far drive from Manhattan. It's not highly populated. Can I, can I declare myself for the rest of the year as being now a Pennsylvania resident? And therefore, not have to pay as much in tax because the Pennsylvania state income tax rate is is very low compared to New York, especially compared to the combined New York state and city tax rate. Right. And the answer was, upon analyses, if you have if you had left the city of New York with an intent to return, and or you had done nothing to what's called break domicile. In other words, you still were using that residence property as a place of where you received your mail. You didn't change your address. You still had a New York driver's license, voter's registration, and you had an intent to return. At the time, and even now, under that fact pattern, we believe that the hypothetical individual I'm describing is still a New York City resident because they didn't take overt action to terminate their residence. Mm -hmm. By comparison, when they went to Pennsylvania, they did not surrender their New York driver's license and get a Pennsylvania driver's license. They They did not surrender by registering to vote in Pennsylvania. They may, they remained as bona fide registered voters in New York. They didn't really take any meaningful property with them. Items that are near and dear could be paintings, collectibles, other things. They left everything behind. Auto registrations didn't really get impacted. They kept that in place. And they had an intent to probably return at some point when they thought it was safe to do so. In that example, that individual I'm describing would have a difficult time trying to file as a Pennsylvania resident in 2020. And by the way, we're still looking at these issues, and some of them are not free from doubt as far as residency. But under the fact pattern that I, that I just described, we believe New York will take a position that the person I've described in my example never broke residence and probably is still a New York resident for mm-hmm. tax purposes. And therefore, any income received during the period March to October or some other date most likely will be clawed back to New York and subject to taxation. Now, what's Pennsylvania's view? Pennsylvania might try to assert that the individual I'm describing uh, was a was a resident for a period of time in Pennsylvania. What might they base that on? That they were in the state, maybe for more than six months. They were generating revenue in the state. They were conducting a trade or business activity in the state. And that starts to look more like a residency had incurred. 
The rebuttal to Pennsylvania would be that the individual I'm describing intended to return to New York, still had a New York voter's registration, still possessed a New York driver's license, had all their near and dear items and significant property still in New York, still were paying bills and supporting a New York residence. So this fact pattern I'm describing is the issue. It's going to be facts and circumstances. What did people do when they relocated from, in my example, New York City to Pennsylvania or somewhere else? What actions did they take if they really wanted to try to assert they were now a Pennsylvania resident and taxpayer? And then what's the kind of information, if they were to do so, that they would have to provide to New York to show New York that they broke residency? So these are. Uh, these are significant issues on an individual level. And I think we're going to see a lot. Actually, it's, it's interesting that you said New York. I'm in Pennsylvania, and we have seen a, a lot of a lot of folks coming our way from New York and New Jersey. I do think it's going to be interesting because with the states fighting for additional revenue, I think it's going to be the issues that you were discussing are always things that we think about in terms of tax, right? Like of course. no birds and that sort of thing. Like, are you intending to return? I think we're going to see more of it now because we have states maybe being more aggressive because they're looking for revenue. Unequivocally, that's exactly right. And everyone will will now, in, in the circumstance that we're in, they're going to be looking at these rules with fresh eyes. Right. Meaning, if you're in New York or Pennsylvania, in my example, both jurisdictions will want to take a position that they're entitled to tax revenue based upon compensation received by the individual in my example, Pennsylvania will want to take the position. And by the way, there's statutory tests here. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so easy as to simply say you're a Pennsylvania resident under the fact pattern that I gave you. Sure. Like I said, you're going to have to show you, you broke domicile. How long were you in Pennsylvania? Uh, where were you living? Did you have an apartment already there, for example, or were you living at a hotel? Mm-hmm. The, all those factors would come into play. But we're of the view that in my fact pattern, which is not entirely fictitious, these are real fact patterns, Pennsylvania could very well try to assert that residence was established in Pennsylvania, while New York will want to say that New York residency was not broken, that the individual, because of their behaviors and their maintenance of New York properties and remaining there and so forth and having a lease in place or owning a home and all those other factors I said about property left behind and voters registration and driver's license, New York would want to take the position that they are for 2020, for the period March through October in my hypothetical example that any income earned by said person should be taxable to New York. Now, there's a cure for this, which is to the extent the person I'm describing ends up being deemed to be a Pennsylvania resident under Pennsylvania interpretation, and they pay a Pennsylvania tax, and New York takes the position that they're a New York resident and incurs a Pennsylvania tax, excuse me, a New York tax, there can't be double taxation. 
So one of the jurisdictions is going to have to yield and respect a tax credit scenario where taxes paid, let's take New York, for example, to Pennsylvania should be, could be allowable as a credit against a New York tax liability. Right. Uh, but you can see how this becomes a scenario of A, facts and circumstances, B, evidence, C, intent, D, documentation in place, and then E, how aggressive will each jurisdiction be, in my example, to levy a tax on a person? We have to be careful about words. Domicile means you're, th- you're living there for tax purposes definitions. That's a tax term. Mm-hmm. Uh, resident is a tax term. But anything other than that, are you there on a short-term duration? Are you there uh, because of the pandemic and you had no intent to become a resident and you were there for safety purposes? These are all the, all the issues and more that will come up. What about having school-aged children? Where were they going to school? Right. Did they formally withdraw from their classes in New York, in my example, when they went to New York? Or were they participating in classes in Pennsylvania via Zoom or WebView or some other kind of electronic means? That could indicate that they still deemed to be, they didn't depart school, they didn't withdraw, they didn't enroll somewhere else. That would give a edge to New York to assert that New York residency was not broken. So there's a myriad of issues that will be considered. We fully expect the states on some level to try to assert, prove if domicile changed. In my example, again, that uh, someone relocating to New York for tax purposes was deemed to be a resident and assert that taxation should result. And similarly, New York. Now, I want to come back to the corporate entity for a minute, the employer. What is the employer doing? A, is the employer aware that a New York resident worker moved to Pennsylvania? When I say moved, I mean relocated. Forget any intent of domicile, but they moved to New York. Maybe or maybe not, they informed their New York employer that they're now in Pennsylvania. Not likely, but maybe so. Did they simply overlook it? And did they continue to simply have New York withholdings tax withheld from their compensation because the employer was under no knowledge that the New York employee moved to another jurisdiction? So that's going to be an issue as well. Right. Will the person now try to assert, the employee assert, that they're entitled to a New York refund on their New York tax withheld because they moved to Pennsylvania? Again, define move, define, define changing your residency under tax regulatory and case law rules. But these are all the subjects that are going to come up. And then not a concluding comment, but an additional comment is, are people keeping documents and documentation as far as their activities, again, in Pennsylvania compared to New York? What are they doing to demonstrate that if their intent really was to move beyond the physical and documentation I just described, what else were they doing there? And so it it really, it's going to cause some rather deep probing and questions and obtaining answers and yes, obtaining documentation. 
But I would go back to the very beginning when we started this discussion and I talked about if you're trying to move from New York to Pennsylvania, and I apologize for using those two states as an example, but they are contiguous and uh, it's real life. I mean, people have done it. And there's no reciprocity, which is, I think, important. Well, reciprocity means you you can't be taxed twice. So if, if New York is taxing you on your full income as a resident, uh, and you also were subject to Pennsylvania tax, that's where the tax credit regime comes into place. But then again, you're going to have to demonstrate to one state or the other which state were you a resident of. But double taxation, while it could arise, certainly that's to be avoided. We would certainly help any relationship in, in avoiding double taxation. But certainly taking advantage of tax credits, where in my example, the Pennsylvania relocatee who moved from New York should be able to take a credit if they're, if they're subject to Pennsylvania tax because Pennsylvania was aggressive and imposed a tax. And by the way, these, are not, these issues are not going to get settled by April 15 of 2021 when income tax returns or extensions are due. This will be going on into well into 2021 and 2022, and there will be audits and there will be factual determinations and documentation that'll have to be submitted and so forth. So it, it's the question you raise at the beginning of this call is a very astute one because so many people are mobile and were mobile continuing because of the pandemic to jurisdictions other than what I would say in February or January was their primary residence. So if someone moves, if someone physically leaves the state, I think they anticipate that there might be an issue when it comes to tax. But what if it's a person that isn't moving, but just where they're working is different? So for example, um, I'm in Pennsylvania, but I used to take the Amtrak up to New York to go to work, right? So in the pandemic, all of a sudden I'm working remotely. I'm no longer going to New York. There are some withholding issues I think that maybe taxpayers aren't going to be aware of. Do you have tips for those folks who might be um, working in another state and living in a different state? They're not physically moving and that they're not, you know, packing up and changing residences, but they may have some issues about where their nexus is for work purposes because they used to maybe have be used to a certain kinds of tax structure by working in another state and now they're not doing that anymore? Or are they really still working in that other state even if they're at home? I mean, I think that that's kind of a, maybe a bigger question. Right. That's a superb question. And let me, let me flesh it out a bit. I'm going to try to use your facts, but I'm going to put a little bit more embellishment on it. Okay. Let's say, once again, you're living in New Jersey. I'll use this example. And your office is in New York. And Therefore, as a New York employee, you're subject to New York taxation. By the way, this happens in Philadelphia. It could happen in Pennsylvania. What many people did was in that circumstance, they notified their employer, who they're still working with, that they have not been in the city. They've been only in their home residence state. And therefore, there's no services being rendered in New York. That would have been a very effective thing to do. 
because then for payroll tax purposes, if you're taxed on physical presence, so we all agree, and probably those listening uh, would agree that you're going to be always taxed in your resident state. That's where you live. Mm -hmm. But when you go to another state and you're also taxed in that second state because you're generating income, you're, you're rendering services, and therefore you're, you're triggering nexus, and you're subject to, in my example, I think I said you're resident in New Jersey, but you're working in New York and you're generating a New York tax liability because of your, of your work, your work days allocation. Mm-hmm. You're also generating a New Jersey tax because you're a resident. What typically happens is you get a credit against your New Jersey tax for any New York tax pay. My example though says, what if the astute taxpayer employee notify their employer that they're not going to be working in New York. Most professionals, for example, if you're an attorney or a CPA or an engineer or evaluation consultant, you're probably completing what's called timesheets, meaning you're disclosing where you are, where you're rendering services. I mean, I do. Yeah, I think all attorneys do. <laughs> yeah. So if you re- my point is, if you're rendering, if you're ki- completing a time report, you have the ability to cite on your time report, where were you rendering those services? And that's pretty important because the businesses that I'm describing also have to file tax returns and they also have to use factor apportionments, meaning where was your payroll property and sales outside of New York, for example. And in my example, uh, the New Jersey resident was working in New York, but now they notified their employer and they said, gee, every two weeks they filed a time report and they disclosed that they were living in New Jersey. They're still a New Jersey resident, but they haven't been working in New York. That reduces the employer's New York payroll factor. Why? Because services are rendering now in New Jersey and not in New York. And for the employee, they are now not generating any income by rendering services in New York because they've only been in New Jersey. So their allocation, their W-2, if they did this and they notified their employer on, say, March 6th and said, I'm working remotely and I'm now going to be completing my time report and citing that I'm working in New Jersey with no New York days, they are in the position now of reducing their New York source income for W-2 purposes, and then also any related New York source income subject to taxation. And we've been talking with clients about that. The thoughtful person did that. Right. They were probably reminded by their employer to do it. And also what occurs is the corporation now is reducing its New York tax liability because it now has a lower payroll apportionment factor and maybe even a lower uh, revenue generation factor in New York because that employee was working in New Jersey, didn't go to New York, was not uh, subjecting any New York source compensation and was generating revenue in New Jersey and was not generating revenue in New York. So that compared to, I'll call this issue number two, this issue number two is just as complicated, if not more, than issue number one. Issue number one was where someone 
just moved to another jurisdiction. In my example, they went from New York to Pennsylvania for their personal tax return. They'll do their own reporting. But now we're talking about scenario two, where they did the same thing. The example here is a New Jersey resident who was working in New York is now not working in New York. And unlike person number one, person number two is going to, or did, notify their employer and say, I am not working in New, in New York anymore, and I'm doing recurring time reporting, and I'm actually documenting the fact that I didn't render any services in New, in New York. So this is a second example I'm referring to. So in the second scenario, what happens when the taxpayers uh, alerted their employer that they're working remotely, they're going to be working from home, they get their tax documents um, on February 1st, and they don't look right. What comes next? Like they're looking at it and they're saying, you know, I, I'm looking at my W-2. I told you I was going to be working from home. And it looks like those adjustments weren't made. Well, the remedy there is that the W-2 can be amended. And so the taxpayer would just ask the employer to do so? Yes. That, that should be the very first thing. But the other way, the other way to be examining this is if, if you get a compensation receipt every two weeks or a month or whatever period that you're working, you should be looking at that. Oh, of course people should, but they don't. I mean, <laughs> realistically, there's a lot of folks yeah. with, when you get your paycheck, especially folks who rely on like right. direct deposit now, if the numbers look sort of right, you don't think to check the paperwork. Right. But let's go back now to both scenarios one and two. If I, in scenario one, I was, I was a resident of New Jersey or excuse me, New York, and I, I now relocated to Pennsylvania. And I told you that I didn't notify my employer. I purposely told you that. In scenario two, I told you that I notified my employer. In scenario two, I'm living in New Jersey and I'm rendering services in New York. Let's go to scenario two. Living in New Jersey, rendering services in New York, and I gave my employer notification that as of March 10, for, for the foreseeable future, I will not be going into the city or state of New York. That person would have been well served to check their compensation withholdings upon every pay period to make sure and confirm what tax was withheld or not. Mm -hmm. Similarly, that was the second scenario. Similarly, the, the person that was living in New York and then relocated to Pennsylvania, a lower rate state, probably should have done, or not probably, should have done the same thing. And if they didn't, or with well intent, they did, but somehow the employer made an error, that's why right now, I don't know what date that this podcast will be broadcasted, but today is December 9 of 2020. Mm -hmm. I would be any listener between now and December 31 that just learned something by this uh, podcast that they should have gone back or did they at all should be on the lookout now for trying to make sure the jurisdiction of rendering services is correct and notify their employer to make sure that the W-2 is correct or that their K-1, that they work for a company that issues uh, partnership units and they're a partner in, in the entity, that their partnership allocation of income is also correct. And that's a whole nother issue. 
because that impacts how income is generated to partners. And that's a very complicated subject. And I don't think we'll go there. Right. Although we could maybe on a, on a subsequent call, but this is the kind of thing that if it hadn't been done throughout the year, your podcast will serve a very valuable function in causing people to be proactive now and make sure their withholdings are correct based upon where they live and where they were rendering services. Because if they were not rendering services out of or different from where they live, they very well may not have a second state tax reporting liability because they weren't there. So let's assume that folks didn't check their uh, withholding or actually let's assume either way. Let's assume that it's tax season, it's 2021, and you're, you're looking at your tax return and you're consulting with your professional. If you know that you have some dual state uh, tax issues, what would you counsel someone about when they're looking for tax preparation advice? Because I do think that there are folks who might have, for the last couple of years, defaulted to a more simple preparation because of the changes under the TCJA, but this year they might need a professional. What are maybe some some kind of things to look out for on those tax forms that should alert them that they need to consult with a professional if they're not already doing so? So if they get a W-2 and it says New York, New Jersey, who do they ask those questions to? Because I fear and this is actually one of the things that I think could happen, even with, I think, taxpayers who are pretty savvy, is that they've kind of gotten into this rhythm of, I have a W-2. If I only have a W-2, my tax return is pretty easy to prepare. So maybe right. I don't need help. This year, it might be a little different. Is If there are two boxes on the state, is that your kind of your signal that you need to ask for help? Like, What are maybe some, some things that folks should look out for? All right. Three, three points come to mind. The first is, when someone receives their W-2, and hopefully they, they had some awareness that they should be asking the questions around the topics we've just discussed, mm -hmm. the first thing they should do is check to see where they had state and local tax withheld. Now, if they did nothing in 2020 and did not notify their employer, and the employer was relying upon information from 2019, it could very well be that that 2020 W-2 is incorrect. Right. All right. So one of the proactive things to do, we said that let's just presume that looking at biweekly or monthly pay stubs wasn't done by the taxpayer. Okay. It doesn't mean that everything's, everything's uh, going to be uh, in despair. When you look at the W-2, there could be an opportunity on your personal tax return based upon where you actually worked and where you actually resided that you could file claims for refund on your state tax returns. Meaning, if you were overwithheld in New York, uh, my second example, you, you reside in New Jersey, you work in New York, but effective in March, you stopped going into New York and you only worked in New Jersey you would file a New York tax return and assert as a non-resident 
that you did not work any days in New York after hypothetically March 9, and you'd be entitled to a refund. Or, or you would take a credit of the New York tax against your New Jersey tax. Right. But you could, you could be upside down slightly where the total New York state and city liabilities are more than New Jersey. And, and you wouldn't get full credit because there'd be a spread between your top New Jersey tax rate and the top New York state and city tax rate. And that, that excess amount wouldn't be recovered by just taking a credit in New Jersey for New York tax paid. Mm-hmm. That's something that should be looked at as well. Because my point is, if you never changed your W-2, never notified your employer, never were tracking days where you were, in my first example, you were in New Jersey for nine months out of the year, and lo and behold, your employer also withheld New York tax because maybe they didn't know that you were only rendering services in New Jersey. You know, your, your first way out is to take a credit on your New Jersey tax return. The other scenario would be to try to claim a New York refund by, by filing a return and saying, hey, I didn't, I didn't work in New York. I only had X number of days in New York and I was over with help. And, right. I, and I had income overreported. I'd like a refund. And then you'd go back and you would file for the first three months. I mean, you, you would do a calculation. For the first three months, everything was great. It's like 2019. You were residing in New Jersey. You worked in New York. You had New York withholdings because you're working there. You had New Jersey withholdings because you're a resident. But your, your month of March through December is different. And so therefore, you could file for a refund in New York or you could take a credit in New Jersey. But those would, would be the two options available to you. And I think that it's pretty clear that the, uh, the pandemic isn't going away anytime soon. So I think we're still going to see these kinds of issues in 2021, since we're so close to the beginning of the year, I guess it sounds like your advice is to make sure to, to take a second look at this come January as well, right? Because these oh, issues, no, you know, if, if you find yourself listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't make these changes in 2020, one of the ways to prevent the same thing from happening a year from now <laughs> is to, uh, to make these adjustments in the beginning of 2021. Right. And by inference, by the way, I said state. I mean, remember, we're also talking about city tax exposure too, right? So, Oh, absolutely. That's got to be on the list to make sure that that was properly treated or not. And are there refunds due or not? So that, be, that should be included. There's many places that have locality tax rate and jurisdictions. For instance, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania has township tax based upon where you live or if you work in a particular township on top of the Pennsylvania income tax rate. Right. Similarly, if you lived in Pennsylvania and you work in the city, you have something called the Philadelphia wage tax. So I'm very familiar with the wage tax. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to be aware, your listeners, your viewers, as this case might be, go back and look at your calendars. I would say if this is going to be a December broadcast, start looking at your calendars, determine where you were. If you were one of the fortunate ones that, going back to the very beginning of our discussion, you actually notified your employer and you had tax withholdings reduced because you were not working in, again, the, the either working in New York, being a New Jersey resident, or 
working in New York and excuse me, working in New York and then relocating to Pennsylvania, you want to you want to understand where you were and then what was withheld. Right. And again, there might be there might be bona fide positions to file amended W-2s, but that means notifying your employer. Right. I think I think communication is going to be key this year and the next, not only making sure that you communicate these changes to your employer, but also to your tax professional. Right. And then, then while you're doing this, step two, preparing all your records in the event that you're taking a position that you had no income, again, no income in New York for nine months because you're a New Jersey resident. You have to get your day counts together. You have to show where you were by contemporaneous uh, information and evidence. Mm-hmm. The good news is that Easy Pass won't be able to catch you because you weren't driving, right? <laughs> right. New York State does that. New York State will track Easy Passes. They will track tel- telephone, cellular phone information. They have a very broad ability to accumulate all kinds of information. We've represented many clients before New York, New Jersey, and so forth. The states are very sophisticated. They are able to determine where you are. Mm -hmm. I had a situation once representing one of our client relationships whereby the individual was the lead actuary, head actuary for an insurance company, and he lived in the city of New York. And on the weekends and uh, when he was on holiday, he would go to New Hope, Pennsylvania. He had a home there. Okay. And when he went to New Hope, Pennsylvania... He enjoyed the local scenery and related matters and would purchase everything in cash. And uh, if memory serves, he didn't have an easy pass, or maybe he did. But the point was, he, he, he tried to, and even on vacation, he took the position that he wasn't in New York when he was in New Hope. And when it came to the audit, he had no documentation to show he was in New York, excuse me, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. because he had no easy pass evidence to show he had left New York and he was in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He had no receipts of purchasing anything in Pennsylvania because he was dealing in cash. And there were other factors as well. And he had a very difficult time convincing New York that he ever left the state. So that was a difficult exam. Right. So the point Sounds- is... <laughs> You need documentation to to show where you were when you're trying to take advantage of a low-tax jurisdiction. Because this gentleman had the Pennsylvania property. It was a second home. He would work there. He didn't have enough days there to break full residency, but he certainly had a position to be able to allocate work days to Pennsylvania, but he had no proof of it. Right. That's difficult. I mean, that goes back to record keeping too, which is something that I stress to my listeners all the time, the importance of keeping good records, no matter what the situation is when it comes to uh, work particularly. Well, thank you so much for your time today. If uh, my listeners wanted to reach you or your company, where's the best place, either on social or on the internet? Well, they can certainly get to us through Eisner Amper LLP, our website, and they could find me rather easily. I also could provide an email address. If you want to send that to me, I can put that in yeah. the show notes and folks can can look that up. Yeah, great. I mean, we have a state and local tax practice. We have an individual taxation practice. 
We have a corporate state and local practice for corporations. And I, I didn't mention this, but this does impact state corporate, what's called nexus exposures, whereby in 2020, depending upon their, where their workforce was and where the workforce was rendering services, their payroll factor could be very different if they right. have the records. I mean, in my, in my example, if you had just two employees and one of them lived and worked in New York, but the second one moved to New Jersey and didn't work or lived in New Jersey and didn't work in New York at all, they're going to have a lower payroll allocation to New York. It's going to be 50% of what it was in the prior year, which means that when you take a three-factor formula, and you multiply it times income, the amount of income allocated to New York should be going down, which means a reduced New York income tax liability for the business enterprise. Right. So it's not just an employee issue, as we said at the very beginning of the call or, or discussion. It's also a corporate business discussion for businesses wanting to make sure properly save and properly pay state and local tax liabilities based upon where their workforce was rendering services. Right. No, I think we're going to see a lot of discussions and probably litigation coming out of uh, this year and these kinds of issues. By the way, you know, we didn't talk about this and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, but this also works on the revenue side. If you have people that are working in in rendering services in New Jersey and they were formerly in New York, your allocated sales revenue factor to New Jersey will go up and the amount allocated to New York should drop just like mm-hmm. the, just like the wages compensation factors. Right. That's a pretty big deal. Well, what, ha- what happens, what happened if, uh, if companies shuttered office space and they, they sublease some of it? That's also another both tax savings and could be a tax exposure, but tax savings opportunity. Mm -hmm. That should be looked at as well. So state and local tax advisors are going to be very, very busy. They're busy. Definitely. (laughs) Very busy next year and probably, probably into 2022. And there'll be examinations and challenges and amendments and all those things. And I say that because of all the issues that we've been involved in this year. Yep. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, This has been great. And uh, I appreciate your time. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app. So you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.